0: The Flex Success podcast, where we teach you how to be less
1: shit. Covering all things science relating to nutrition, training, recovery, and more.
0: Who knows, we might even sprinkle in a dick joke or two. (laughs) (laughs) Can you fucking look at the camera? (laughs) Stop looking at me. (laughs) Welcome back to another podcast episode, podcast friends. I'm here with our guest today, Uh, nobody, because we are the guests today.
1: Oh, who's
0: me? Me and you, Mr. McKillop. Oh, that's it. Hey, everyone. So we wanted to do just a podcast, just us, to talk about the disruption slash invasiveness scale, because I, as of about 48 hours ago, started a mini cut, and I decided to do it in the least invasive way possible. So what I mean by that is I wanted only to drop about five kilos, which isn't that much. And I really wasn't prepared to have my life invaded just because I wanted to drop five kilos. So I was thinking, how can I do that while still just going about my daily routine?
1: So you go and get shredded.
0: I'm going to get shredded.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Usually getting shredded is highly invasive.
0: You know what though, Dean? What? I think the diet is working so well already. I was at the dog shelter earlier today. Mm-hmm. I got humped the shit out of by a dog. I'm so sexy already. Mm. Forty eight hours, boom, boom. It's there happening. Is,
1: there is nothing like a little bit of semi bestiality to, to really <laughs> drive home your confidence when it comes to how you feel about yourself. <laughs> yeah. If in France you would be celebrated. Hmm. No, I think you're talking about Amsterdam, my friend. Oh no, I believe it was definitely France. Okay. In France, bestiality is okay so long as the beast is not being penetrated penetrated
0: the beast has to do the penetration super weird where is this podcast going right I'm talking so- <laughs> about invasiveness that's highly invasive <laughs> that is highly invasive mm. so i'm not doing a cut for a show um i just want to do it for just because i can but of course things would change if uh, i was doing a bodybuilding show and dean maybe that's where where you can come in handy and you can talk to us about mm. that Uh, and I kind of thought about the things that I could do to make sure that I can lose this weight and still go about my daily routine. Now, I think the reason that I'm able to do this is because I already had a solid environment set up in the first place. Dean and I already have, we share a car, so we have to go back and forth to the gym together. Mm -hmm. We already have our gym routine. So we know we go four or five times a week. We always, sometimes three, no, very, very rarely three. (laughs) Um, We always have fresh fruit and vegetables in the house. I always make calorie conscious choices when I eat out. I already drink only very rarely. Um, I have really great sleep hygiene. So my environment is already set up to be conducive of weight loss if I so see fit. So I don't really need to change all that much. All I need to do is pull a few calories out and bump my steps up from 7,000 steps a day to 10,000 steps a day. Um, As an online coach, you might think, geez, Liz, 7,000 steps, that's not a lot. But that's because I think a lot of PTs uh, listen to this podcast. And now I sit down and I type for a living. I'm no longer a PT. So 7,000 means I actually have to like get up off my ass and walk the dog.
1: I was going to say, even 7,000 for a person of our kind who work online (laughs) is a lot. Sometimes I hit two and a half. Mm, I know you if you if we don't really try Mm. two and a half is easy So I wanted to
0: start prelude that I already have a solid environment set up and I already have strong habits So it's not that hard Um, Now the first thing that I wanted to continue even while in this mini cut is continuing eating out I do taco Tuesday every Tuesday (laughs) taco Tuesday on Thursday taco Tuesday every Tuesday Um, Dean and I probably go to sushi train once a week Mm -hmm. after training And I wouldn't mind eating out once on a weekend. Mm -hmm. So I don't really want to give those things up and I don't need to. But it means that I perhaps need to make more calorie conscious choices. I might just not have the hot chips with my tacos tonight. And that's cool. And uh, sushi train, last night I had a miso soup I had tuna and I skipped any of the rice. So I pulled calories out that way.
1: And I had chicken katsu with mayonnaise and rice.
0: You bastard. I know. I watched you eat it. It was
1: good. You prick. I also had a hand roll (laughs) made with chicken thigh.
0: (laughs) Look, I was a little jealous to give him the stink eye, but didn't say anything. (laughs) Um, But because I do want to eat out, it means that I probably need to pull my cows down on the meals that I eat at home.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So probably bye-bye rice for now and hello potato and pumpkin and whatnot and that's cool let's just make some food swaps so the second thing that i wanted to do um, is not really make it a thing i don't really want to talk about it even though we're doing a whole podcast on it but the reason that i wanted to talk about it here is because i mentioned it briefly on insta story and I had a lot of great feedback, people saying that they wish they had thought of these things when they were doing their cut or had this attitude. Ooh. They wish that their friend or partner or whatever it was made it less of a thing and could still eat out occasionally and whatnot. Um, so I just wanted to share it with you guys. Perhaps you could take some points for your clients or yourself or whatever.
1: Yeah, so just, to, um, just for the, the, the viewers' know. Essentially, the viewers, but also the listeners. Yes. Uh, The whole concept, I think, of this podcast is realistically discussing how you can still achieve a particular body composition goal as a gen popper, let's call you, Mm -hmm. general population individual.
0: A non-athlete.
1: A non-contest prep specific uh, fat loss phase uh, without being super invasive into your lifestyle. So you can otherwise live a fairly normal life Mm -hmm. with just some Mm -hmm. levels of restraint in different parts of it. Hmm. to kind of take the path of least resistance to steal that quote. That's sort of this approach. So I want to try and make this phase like it's not kind of happening, but it's kind of just happening through good, Hmm. well-built behaviors.
0: Yeah, I mean, if people don't have well-established habits yet um, or unhealthy behaviors, perhaps changing that long-term is what you want to do. A diet when done right is not forever. It's Hmm. for a few weeks and then you can adjust not back to what you were previously unless you want to gain all the weight back, but you don't have to be as, can I use the word restrictive?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Restrained, mm, perhaps? Restrained, for sure. Restrained. Um, so when we go to sushi train in three months from now, I'll be having a hand roll. Mm-hmm. I'll introduce more rice. I'll be having my hot chips again. Um, but, I, but I'm going to continue the healthy behaviors of good sleep hygiene, being well hydrated, movement, blah, 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 blah. Um, but obviously, if my goal was way more extreme than a five kilogram weight loss for shits and gigs, then my life would have to be disrupted far more than what well, it is now. Well, the
1: level of restraint goes up. Mm. And I think that's kind of the interesting um, juxtaposition, I suppose, of yourself and myself, is that when I've done dieting phases in the past, it's been for a contest prep. So the level of restraint and attention to detail and the potential invasiveness into our life obviously goes up because mm. the severity of error also goes up. Because mm. I'm on a time course too as well. A time course and also a very, very highly extrinsically motivated sport. <laughs> yep. I air quoted that for those that aren't watching. Uh, standing on stage in your little undies. Yeah. So if you fuck up too many times, you're going to pay the, the price of...
0: And is the price public humiliation?
1: Yeah, it is. <laughs> Definitely is. Um, so like, I think I'm um, like with the eating out concept, like for, uh, for myself uh, in a contest, when that, that dieting phase is a lot more specific, I'm uh, doing similar behaviours in that I'm being aware of, I suppose, the foods that I choose, but having to be hyper-accurate. So where you may just sort of make good, healthy decisions and also potentially reduce maybe the amount of meals you may eat out. When we went out for, for myself eating during a contest prep, like I pre-weighed and logged and checked the sushi that we ate the weeks prior to us actually doing mm. it. Uh, so we still would go out and eat out, but really it was fully tracked and weighed. Um, and it was
0: very rare. Like, very rare. I want to do taco Tuesday every week. Yeah, and I <laughs> also
1: only did prawn nigiri. Yeah. Like the most boring sushi of all sushis. Yeah. Um, because it was more about maintaining life. But um, mm, yeah, totally. so I suppose like that, that level of goal and the, the intensity of the goal will also dictate the intensity of the invasiveness. Yeah,
0: for sure. Mm. So the, the second point of uh, minimal disruption to my life that I wanted to bring up is not making it a thing. And I'm, I'm not talking about it with people because no one gives a shit. <laughs> No one gives a shit what I'm eating, what I want to weigh, like how my training's going. Like really, nobody. So when I hang out with my friends, I'm not going to bore them with the details of mm-hmm. my my diet. Um, and people that pretend to care, that's really sweet of them. But I also have more important things to talk about. And I don't want it consuming my thoughts because mm. whenever you feel hungry, you think about food all the time. Whenever I'm bored, I think like I'm already thinking about food all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't need to then talk about it with everyone. So by just like shutting the fuck up about it, I'm just like not making it a thing, you know?
1: Yeah. You ain't not thing. It's certainly a skill that you learn over time too. I think anyone that first gets into the dieting phase, they finally feel what a deficit's like. They understand how delicious food tastes when you take it away. Uh, that hyper focus on trying to tell everybody about how delicious Vegemite on toast is. Well, I may think so. Liz would never agree with that. Even, Vegemite. Even when starving, like you could put her in a, a concentration camp. She ain't taken. she ain't taking no yeast spread on no bread.
0: Mate, I would rather starve to death than eat the devil's diarrhea. I'll devil's tell you now. It is the devil's diarrhea. If
1: that's what poo tastes like, I'm down with a bit of poo. Oh. <sighs> um
0: you're on your own but yeah man
1: people focus way too much they want to tell you about all the food that they eat they want to tell you about how delicious something tastes point of advice for anyone listening home never take the dietary advice of a dieting individual when it comes (laughs) to choosing foods that taste good it's
0: true it's true so when a comp prepper was like man have you tried that Walden's farm freaking marshmallow whip oh my god and you try it and you're like is there a science lab in my mouth right now this is disgusting
1: yeah. Nine times out of 10, if a person who's dieting tells you something tastes good, it tastes very chemically, it chemically, is. Mm-hmm. it's shit house and don't bother.
0: Yeah. Don't listen to them. Mm. So the third thing that I'm doing to, it ain't no thing is I'm eating to a hunger scale. So I have my general setup where, you know, I eat at seven, then 10, then one or two or whatever. I'm, and I'm more or less following that. But if it gets to mealtime, and I'm not really that hungry yet, then I'm just gonna wait a little bit um, because I have moments throughout the day and moments throughout the month, hey ladies, um, where you feel way more hungry uh, than usual. So I just wanna save my cows for when I really need it. So let me just talk to you about the hunger scale quickly. Firstly, Google it. It's a scale of one to 10. I've got it in front of me now. 10 is you're so hungry, you'll eat absolute anything. Two is you can't ignore your hunger and everything looks and sounds good to eat. Number three is your stomach is growling and you have hunger pangs. Dean and I had a debate about if pangs yeah, is a thing. I
1: thought it was pains.
0: Yeah, it's pangs. I'm I right, you're wrong. I'm big, you're small, I'm good looking, you're not good looking. Um, and four is you can feel you're getting hungry. It's time to think about what to eat. Five, you're neither hungry nor full, blah, blah, blah. And it goes all the way till 10, with 10 being you're painfully full and you feel sick. So I've decided that I need to be okay with being hungry sometimes throughout this mini cut and i'm just going to deal with it and i'm not going to start eating until i'm about a two or a three which is my stomach is growling or tubing i can't ignore my hunger anymore and i'm only going to eat to a six which is i'm satisfied but i could easily eat more. Mm. whereas if my goal was the opposite to gain weight because dean and i both have some clients that are trying to gain weight but they really struggle they should never let themselves get to a two or a three. They should always be eating even when they just feel satisfied and they should eat till they feel sick. Yeah. You they know? basically
1: need to be foie <laughs> Yes. If that's how you say it, foie up.
0: <laughs> I'm not even going to attempt it. That's <laughs> good.
1: <laughs> now this, this is a really, really important scale. I think if you haven't Googled it, please do Google it because getting a, um, a bit of an objective, I suppose, idea around an otherwise fairly subjective feeling is going to help people distinguish between appetite-driven <laughs> behavior. Yeah, laugh at my appetite, whatever. <laughs> appetite. Appetite-driven behavior and also <laughs> hunger. So hunger like, uh, is dispelled in the presence of food, whereas an appetite continues despite the presence of food. Hmm. Um, lots of people misdiagnose their hunger or their appetite, I should say, as hunger And it's okay to be hungry. And this sort of scale gives you a bit of an idea to try and look at some of the physiological feedback mechanisms Mm. uh, that you can use to determine whether or not you're actually truly hungry or if you just have an appetite for something in particular. Mm. Um,
0: And I can't, I'm not really having an appetite for steamed broccoli or Brussels sprouts, Mm. right? Like I'm gonna have an appetite for hot chips because they are my friend or chocolate. And I can't fulfill that all the time because if I'm always eating chocolate every time it comes to mind or I feel like it, then good luck reaching your goal.
1: You're never eating foie gras on chocolate. <laughs> no. Like foie gras level of, of uh, fullness, that ain't happening on chocolate. And if it does, you definitely are not losing body fat.
0: Dean, can you please keep the listeners entertained while I close this door for the Barking Yes, dog. no
1: problems at all. Oh. Just for those at home that are playing and don't know what foie gras is, it's a really fucked up uh, practice. But it's the force feeding of a goose, I believe. Uh, so that they get fatty liver disease, essentially, mm-hmm. and then foie gras is the actual fatty liver. Super, super fucked up situation. Oh, now. who
0: cares about animal abuse if it tastes good, right, people? Yeah, maybe in Your side shoot.
1: Um, one of the other things I think Liz brought up there, and maybe to give a, uh, a good example for everybody of appetite versus hunger, is everybody knows the dessert stomach exists. Mm-hmm. So, like, we could fill you up and remove physical hunger with a kilo of broccoli and a kilo of cucumber but you're still going to want to slice a slice of cake well, and you can fit it too. Cause the dessert stomach is it's a real second thing.
0: stomach. Yeah. Um,
1: whereas, you know, if, and that's, so that's an appetite for the cake, not for the obviously cucumber and broccoli. Yeah. So if that is the, the sort of something that you deal with, it's something to be aware of.
0: Yeah. Another reason why I really love the hunger scale is because it just is one of the mindful eating practices. Mm. And we love being mindful about all sorts of things using reflection and just asking the question, am I hungry? And if you're not hungry, unless there's some reason why you're eating to a schedule, and there are plenty of reasons, like you want to get your carbs in before training or whatever, um, then don't eat. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm still going to make sure I'm in a deficit by the end of the day and that I'm spreading my protein out in boluses, you know, across a few hours or whatever. But if I'm not that hungry, I'm just, I'll just wait a bit.
1: Yep. Yeah, there's heaps of awesome chat going on currently with... Um... Our lovely coach, Shannon, and also the (laughs) Pooh (laughs) Spurs.
0: Dr. Gabby Fonduro.
1: No, it's not Fonduro.
0: Yes, it is. It's
1: Fondero. Oh, fuck. Gabby, I apologize on behalf of Flex, the entire crew. I know I have to speak on your behalf here and say that (laughs) she is not a bowl of delicious, either melted cheese or melted chocolate. You cannot dip your things in her. She's not Fondue. Please call her Fondero.
0: Gabby, if you're listening. I go to do Insta Story all the time and I'm like, Dr. Gabby Fondero. And Dean corrects me every time. I'm like, fuck, I thought I got it right this time.
1: You did just get it right that time. Oh,
0: I did. <laughs> God damn it.
1: But anyway, oh. um, she, she's been talking about, and Shannon, and also when um, we've had the pleasure of reading a couple of articles, they're talking about interoceptive sensitivity, which is essentially just your ability to consciously be aware of the physiological signs your body gives you to tell you when you're full and when you're hungry and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, most people that overconsume don't really have a good awareness of that. So just yeah, take totally. a moment to uh, breathe and think about how full you are.
0: Hmm. But also when you are hungry, take a moment to breathe and chill the fuck out. Yeah, it's okay. Because you're not going to die. It's not an emergency. But I totally get, uh, it's a survival mechanism, right? Like your body sends you all these signals, ghrelin spikes through the roof. And you feel like, I have to eat now. No, you don't. It's not going to kill you to wait until you get home. You don't need to stop at Macca's on the way. Take a breath, fill your plate up with some veg, eat slowly, enjoy it. Um mm-hmm. No one's gonna die.
1: Just be careful of that starvation mode though, because if you get too (laughs) hungry and don't eat enough calories, you'll never lose weight.
0: Yeah, starvation
1: mode.
0: Hmm. Um, I really hope that everyone knows that you're joking. No, I'm joking. Okay, I hope that they
1: do. What else are you gonna do to minimize the invasiveness of this dieting?
0: I, going along with the hunger scale, uh, choosing when I'm gonna eat, I'm also going to choose what I'm going to eat using the hedonic staircase of dieting. So I love chocolate, I love chips, as we've established, but If I'm eating really delicious food, it's going to be hard for me to stop at the 400 calories that I've allocated for the meal, for example, because not only is the food residue really low, it's so delicious that I want to eat more. And what I could do is actually bring on more cravings. Uh, And I don't want to do that. So because my calories are low right now, I'm filling my plate up with food that's palatable I make it enjoyable, maybe a bit of salt and a bit of sauce or something, but I make it kind of also a bit bland. So by the end, I'm like, "Mm, that was good, bet I'm done. So hedonic staircase of dieting, look it up.
1: I put up the satiety index the other day of of different foods mm -hmm. relative to white bread. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: as we know, boiled white potato comes in at the top Mm -hmm. as in the most satiating, the one you're least likely to overconsume on Mm -hmm. after you've eaten. Um, And everyone's like, well, of course it's plain boiled potato. That's the point. (laughs) Like like if I give you clad glue to eat, you're not going to. The not going to overeat on it. Like that's the whole point. you like, <laughs> someone was like, mind blown. Like, of course it is. And like, no, oh, that's that's the argument. That's like,
0: exactly oh, right. You're proving my point. Now the fourth thing that I'm going to do um, is increase my calorie expenditure or my my daily steps, and I'm making that enjoyable. So instead of just at the end of the day, like fuck, oh, got six thousand steps to hit, walk on the treadmill like a depressed moat. What I would do is I'll just, we live on the Gold Coast, so I'll walk on the beach. I'll take our dog Ruben out for a few more walks. Um, even today, I was at the dog shelter and I was walking some of the dogs and I would throw the ball and I would also chase after the ball with them and meet them where the ball was oh, and then cute, go back. playing
1: catch with yourself.
0: Well, I was playing catch with myself, wasn't I? But it meant that I got home and I'd done, what have I done? Like 8,000 steps already. Just because I was running around with you the dogs. You'll easily
1: hit, you hit, what are you hitting? 10,000 a day? 10,000. 2,000 in um, vacuuming. Easy.
0: <laughs> yeah, okay. 2,000 in <laughs> making a sandwich. Sure, whatever, Dean. I'm the vacuumer. Yeah, you
1: are. <laughs> yeah, <she's No. laughs> a she whips, I vacuum.
0: There's no whip, there's no whip. Um, yeah, so I'm making activity enjoyable. And the fifth and final thing that I'm doing is I'm making sure that I'm not socially isolated. So some people think that when they go on a diet... Fuck! I can't go to this social event. I can't see my friends. Like they just want to go and go out for dinner. Um, I think all of my friends are in the bodybuilding world, which is kind of sad. Or most of them. Most of them. Um, so we don't always just catch up for food. We do sometimes, but we all understand that if someone's got a comp coming up or they're trying to make weight for something, whatever, a photo shoot, let's go for a walk instead. Hey, you want to go to time zone? Want to go bowling? Hey, why don't we go shopping? and just find other ways to engage with your friends. Maybe even call them while you're doing a two hour food prep and chat to them. Mm. Um, And what we chat about is our boyfriends and all the shit things they do.
1: Just so you know, Dean. You you don't have one of
0: those. (laughs) I still call you my boyfriend. I hate the H word. Um, Yeah, so I'm, I'm gonna stay socially included um by still catching up with my friends but finding ways to do that that don't always involve food because i have quite a large margin of error because i'm not getting on stage i only want to lose a small amount of weight i still can eat out sometimes with Mm -hmm. them i just have to make better choices but i don't want to eat out all the time yeah so those are the five things i'm doing and with those things in mind i think that there's going to be minimal disruption to my life uh minimal invasiveness sure i have to change a few things but it's not a big deal uh, but, if my goal was different, if my goal was more extreme, then perhaps that won't be the case. Uh-huh. Q Dean, who has first hand experience
1: well, no, I was going to say the really cool uh, thing I think about trying to set up your life to minimize the invasiveness and minimize the disruption in this kind of a dieting phase is just the conscious awareness of you having a little bit of liberty to shift. From day to day, and like whether or not your activity is eight thousand steps or ten thousand steps, or sometimes you eat tacos, sometimes you eat normal food, or whatever it is, you know, normal Mm -hmm. food probably shouldn't use that language. Tacos is normal food. It is. Yeah. Um, I think that is going to be hyper liberating Mm. to allow you to get the result. Mm. Whereas most of the time, the more restriction and restraint and rules and sort of enforcement you place on somebody, uh, they'll either do it very well and hate it, they'll do it reasonably well and then break and feel guilty. Um, or somewhere in between, whereas this instance, it kind of allows you just to freely sort of, you know, be more fluid, I guess, Hmm. in your weight loss.
0: A good example of that is, um, right now I am not in that time of the month where I have a lot of cravings. I'm right at the start of the cut. So I feel absolutely no diet fatigue. Um, I, I just, I'm not very hungry right now. Ooh. And I mean, I'm kind of hesitant to say this because I feel like I may be setting up unrealistic ed- expectations, but it's the truth. I've dropped 1.2 kilos. It's, it's Tuesday now since Sunday morning, which is a lot of weight. Um, Ooh. I know that when the time of the month comes around, I probably won't want to be in as much of a deficit and you probably won't want me to be because you know, hashtag
1: moody or you could drive the deficit up and maximize <laughs> fat loss no. and just be a grouch.
0: No, I will not. I will oh. not. Um, so, so that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm being fluid right now because I can handle more of a deficit. I've dropped a lot more weight than I need to. Mm -hmm. Um, but I know that there's room to slow things up when, when I want to in, I don't know, two weeks time or whatever it is.
1: Yep. Average over time, uh, motherfuckers.
0: Average over time. Consistency. Exactly. Um, but Dean, why may you, or what may you want to change when you're in a comp prep? Oh,
1: I suppose the, the, the biggest difference here is the repetition of, uh, effective restraint is probably the biggest thing when it comes to comp prep. Like mm-hmm. you do have the opportunity to be a little bit more fluid. I think in a contest prep, if you're somebody who's had really good behaviors built over time, um, you've done this for a very long time, you know, what's in food, you track macros, like you spent years in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll put myself in that sort of uh, basket. basket. I could probably diet fluidly uh, just by using conscious, mindful eating practices up until maybe eight to 10 weeks And condition.
0: by fluid, you mean not counting macros? Not just counting macros, wise choices. not mm-hmm. having
1: very specific targets each day, but rather having general targets over the course of time, uh, you know, uh, engaging in good behaviours, whether that be just being a little bit more active, maybe not snacking in between major meals, sticking to a relatively sort of defaulted foundation diet, like Eric calls and we call it. Um, I could get to eight weeks out condition. It mm-hmm. wouldn't be that hard, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that final phase, that final dig phase, that push into extreme levels of low body fat, uh, your margin of error has to be much smaller because mm. the level of body fat you're trying to pull off without, minimizing, without maximizing muscle loss uh, is also much smaller. Mm. So you have to be kind of on the, on the game. Like the, most people that have really good behaviors that do the kind of default foundation diet, diet to get to a certain level of body fat, I find, at least anecdotally, tend to under eat because they'd rather undereat and get the results than overeat and try and um, feed the brain as opposed to feed the physique. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you get to that low level body fat and the risk for muscle loss goes up, and you're just trying to take off that last little bit of body fat, the accuracy for dieting and output and all the rest of it becomes far more mm-hmm. important. So that level of restraint, invasiveness, and also disruption to your life is gonna. Be major. I guess. Also, your energy's fat. So, like, yeah. I was just about to say that when you're that
0: lean, you just feel like a bag of dicks, and like you don't want to go out and time zone with your friends or go bowling because you just feel like
1: sleeping. And like you know, theoretically, if somebody who's got really good behaviours like yourself doesn't, you shouldn't really be subjected to too much of the typical adaptive thermogenesis stuff we see, like a reduction in informal subconscious activity in need. I'm
0: probably still going to be like what 14% body fat by the end, like because I'm what 16, 17% Mm. body fat now.
1: No. I'm only going to lose a little. It's not going to be major. So no, like, no. You're, not, you're not having to deal with some of that sort of counteractive uh, stuff that goes on without you knowing it. Whereas again, like in this dieting phase of a contest, prep athlete, body fat levels go down, the drive to do less goes up without you even knowing it. So mm. you now have to take uh, an otherwise uh, subconscious activity level known as NEAT, non-exercise activity, thermogenesis, and make it a formal step target. Mm. It's now no longer... It's got to be conscious. It's conscious, formal movement for the purpose of minimizing adaptive thermogenesis or a reduction in metabolism or metabolic output outside Mm. of accounted for by body weight loss. Um, and it just becomes a lot more particular. Yeah, and even sure. all of those rules, honestly, just becomes mentally fucking fatiguing. Yeah. It's much, much, much more mentally fatiguing, I think, to know that you're on the clock all the time and you have to tick every box. Mm. Uh, but it's also quite liberating knowing that you can kind of somewhat be off and still get a very effective result. Mm.
0: I've set myself a timeline of six weeks from now, uh, but no one's going to see me on stage in a bikini. Mm-hmm. No one. I don't have to weigh in for anything. Um, but I could imagine that it would be quite quite stressful or kind of thought consuming to know that you're getting on stage. You're actually inviting people to judge your body. <laughs> like that. not just
1: judge your body. They're judging your flaws and they are mm. not commending you on your attributes.
0: That's true. Oh, he looks
1: great, but shit carbs. Yep. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So I, I could see why I would actually want my life to be disrupted. I want to tick all the boxes and, mm. you know, dot all the I's and cross all the T's because I, I wouldn't want to be, you know, getting to the, the stage day, and having the shit ripped out of me and knowing that I could have done so much
1: more. Yeah. The what if moment in a contest, prep mm. is, I think one of the greatest drivers, uh, at least extrinsically for a lot of people. Mm. Uh, but in saying that, I think it's the intrinsically motivated people to better themselves are the ones that truly do the best because they're not relying on that external source to sort of validate their efforts. Uh, and it's probably similar in this instance with you. Like you're very, uh, intrinsically motivated to do what you want to do for you and not for other people you forgot to
0: say funny and attractive
1: uh yes that too (laughs) so that that we'll just wrap this up oh that's awkward (laughs) i don't know where to take that (laughs) no of course funny and attractive stop it more attractive than funny more funny than attractive which would you rather be
0: i think i'd rather be more funny because have you ever met people who you think are attractive and when you get to know them they're like they're fucking bland
1: i don't like them <laughs> but, at all but we, and then they're not
0: attractive anymore
1: is it jim jeffrey's funny like people laughing with you <laughs> or homer simpson you're dumb funny
0: <laughs> no no it's going to be jim jeffrey's funny
1: yeah not real not funny. not
0: at you it's going to be with you
1: yeah i agree with mm-hmm. you
0: mm-hmm. so i think if i had to choose i would i would choose being funny over attractive because have um, have you ever met a guy dean and then like, you're not really attracted to them or they're not attractive, but you get to Many them. men
1: that I'm not attracted to. <laughs> really? Yeah, there's a lot. Okay. Except for that critter bloke. But then, oh, critter, mate.
0: And then they make you laugh and you're like, hmm, you just got more attractive. So that's why I would choose that.
1: It's true. As a man, I think we have that liberty.
0: Mm, it's true. How many hot chicks do you know with like absolute deros?
1: One. It's cause with absolutely Dero's. I, thought you gonna, <laughs> I, I pre, listen, I preempted what you were going to say then and I jumped the gun <laughs> and it messed up. What?
0: What I thought you were going to say,
1: how many funny people do you know that are also attractive? So <laughs> I was going to drop the compliment in one being you, but then you went uh, funny with, uh, attractive with Dero's, whatever it was. And I was like, ah, <laughs> So fuck you that just
0: up. said I'm attractive and you're a Dero. <laughs>
1: You heard it here first, guys. Uh, Dean Zadero. Listen, um, before you speak, anyways, gentlemen. Anyways,
0: where were we? I don't even know.
1: We were just talking about the wrap up, I suppose. The, the invasiveness up. of it. If you, as as the, um, the intensity of your body composition goal rises, it's likely that the invasiveness and also the disruption will also rise. Mm-hmm. But if your um, goal is just a small one from a relative point of view, percentage wise, don't make it a big deal. Mm-hmm. try and minimize the invasiveness and the disruption uh, and just uh, make it a kind of like, I guess, like a part of your sort of daily, daily, daily activity. Routine. Yeah. Cause routine.
0: change does not have to suck.
1: Not at all. No,
0: because I, we do have clients come to us, Dean, as you don't do gen pop, you may not know, but I have some gen pop clients start and they're like, yeah, you know, I just want to fit into my clothes a bit better and, and be more confident. And that might look like eight kilograms weight loss. I'm like, great, we can do that. Mm. And they have this idea that they have to turn their lives upside mm. down. Like, I already said goodbye to my friends. I'll see them after the <laughs> diet. Like, no, you don't have to do that, man. Like, mm. So I think we need to just align our expectations up accordingly because you can make change suck if you want to, um, but I don't know why you would. It doesn't have to.
1: Yeah, that's huge. I think that's massive. Most people do think they have to turn their life upside down. And most of the time, they just have to make small changes. Mm. And most of the time, just be a little bit honest with themselves.
0: Mm. I think starting at a place where you set up the right environment and right habits to begin with makes the process far easier because mm-hmm. I don't have to change a lot to, to get some good results. Um, but if I had a very different lifestyle, like my sleep hygiene sucked, I like never went to the gym and yada yada, I would have to make quite a lot of changes. Yep. So I would probably advise just to set your environment and habits up first and then make some tweaks accordingly.
1: And have the right expectations.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And maybe have my friends are really supportive, but if you have a different um, support network or unsupportive network, maybe sit them down and just let them know, hey, like this is what I'm doing right now. I would really love your support and this is how you can support me. Ask me to go for a walk on Sunday morning instead of going out to breakfast. Like just Mm. tell your friends what you need. um, And if they're shit about it, then maybe look for new friends.
1: It fucking blows my mind. That people would want to get in the way of somebody otherwise making what appears to be healthy choices. Mm. Like I want to better my life, Liz, and you're like, nah, mate, loser, <laughs> you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> like, I, I what do, would you want to do that for?
0: I do acknowledge that there's a few shit people, but I also think that some people that get in the way of their friends or son or whatever making good choices, it's more of a reflection on their own self guilt um, than it is. On anything else like they they haven't been able to make the healthy changes that they want to make mm-hmm. um and so they're trying to get in the way of someone else just so that they feel a bit better like see he couldn't do it either it's not just me mm. so it's not yeah. you it's them
1: everybody wants that partner in crime <laughs> <laughs>
0: indeedy so dean let's wrap it up
1: all right a bit of a fire round we're gonna hit the questions that we normally ask our guess pow pow
0: pow, pow. Uh-huh. something worth sharing Dean what do you have to share with the audience
1: ooh my seminar
0: oh yeah go on yeah that no, is
1: actually true we are usually we would put this in there stay up to date with flex but i'm going to steal the thunder here and say mm-hmm. that uh, i'll be presenting our very first seminar in perth in may it's not the first
0: seminar it's the first one in perth
1: i believe i just said our very first seminar in perth
0: right thank you
1: Depending on how you take the cadence of that language, would have changed the message potentially. But it's fine, Move on. Our first ever seminar being presented in Perth, but otherwise not in other parts of Australia because <laughs> we've already presented there. Yes. Uh, on contest prep and the applications thereof, my strategies to maximise the result while minimising the pain mm. as a coach, though not necessarily as a as a client. Uh, so it's mainly for coaches and people that are interested in prepping themselves. Um, and that's in May. All of the details are on the physique code Instagram, Richard Collins, the man over there, he's running that for us. And, hey, um,
0: Richard.
1: <laughs> hey, Richie, Rich. <laughs> he is, he's loaded, asking for money. Uh, I don't know if that's true. Don't do that. <laughs> um, yeah. Yes. So that's, that's happening in May this year, which I'm super excited about.
0: Hopefully by then we also have our post comp program up and running uh, because we know that there are really good and really bad ways to do a comp prep. But regardless of how you do it, even if you do it the best possible way, you're still going to be victim to extreme hunger, maybe episodes of binging, um, disrupted sleep and and other lifestyle factors. So with this post comp program, (laughs) for those not watching, Dean just made a flaccid penis with his finger. Um, Yeah, I think he was supposed to make that really subtle but by me actually verbalizing it it there was
1: nothing subtle about your dick don't work (laughs) my limp finger (laughs)
0: um yeah that too so fertility issues blah 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 so with this post-comp program we hope to help people uh with those issues and re-establish a healthy body weight without rebounding um so badly that they feel quite uncomfortable with their body fat levels and help reestablish healthy eating habits. Again, um, understand when we should be eating, when we shouldn't be eating, because in a comp prep you're eating to your food diary. If your diet says you need to eat this at this time, you eat this at that time. It doesn't matter if you're still hungry when you finish or if you're full halfway through the meal,
1: mm-hmm. you just
0: get it done. So uh, we're trying to help people um, just be a bit more normal. Really, and I
1: think we're going to call it something like the post, I think it's the, the make, make comp your recovery dick work phase. program because you had a bad diet and want to get a better diet and do good stuff uh, program.
0: Yeah. that's I need to come up with an acronym. (laughs) I want to call it the unfuck yourself program.
1: Yeah. But now it sounds like we're back in France.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, we don't know what we're going to call it yet, but I I hope to have it done by then.
1: If anybody has a good idea for a name and they'd like to put forward, we will give you no proceeds and uh, we would appreciate the name anyway.
0: Yeah. I, I will thank you in an email saying thank you. (laughs) <laughs> okay, Dean. Oh, worth- as yes. I'm learning. Gracias. Oh, we're learning Spanish right yeah. now. Gracias. Okay.
1: That's my something worth sharing.
0: Oh, oh right. Of course mm. it is. Okay. Yeah. My something worth sharing is a podcast called... I feel like I've sworn too much in this podcast, but that's right. I like this podcast called Guys We Fucked. Um, it's not really swearing if it's the name of the podcast. Is no, it? no, no. So I can be excused. The Guys We Fucked podcast. Love it. Anti-slut-shaming podcast. Talk about all sorts of sexual things and boys and
1: period it's problems
0: it's actually really good mm. it's good life lessons you
1: yeah, know it's and they're hilarious
0: they are they're really funny mm. well they're actually professional comedians um think,
1: think fuck they're funny <laughs> yes indeed yeah. now dean all right fire around let's do it and then we're going to go on for shitty choices
0: all right the question that i have for you it's your last 24 hours on earth how do you spend your time
1: i would get myself a sweet little vehicle Okay. That's how you say vehicle, by the way. Oh, is it? It's a vehicle. I didn't realize. Uh, in Europe, and I would just travel around, just hunting food and coffee.
0: Hunting food? What yep. do you mean? Like-
1: hunting for food, not actual animal food. Just, oh, you just like- on the hunt. You know, it's a figurative, <laughs> figuratively speaking. With, with of course our our friend Ruben. He would be in. He would be in the driver's seat with oh, me. Oh, Ruben! And we'd just go around, just like, just nailing chicks. Nah, oh. getting food. Getting food, that's a joke. Ruben you're, got, you're with me. Ruben. <laughs> so it would just, just be a day of food in, uh, like all around Europe just because I think it's like a cool countryside to drive. Okay. Uh, I had lots of fun when we did that. And I love food and I love coffee. hmm
0: And nailing tips. And I love
1: Ruben. Mm. And I love you.
0: That's our senior dog, by the way, so guys. So I just,
1: uh, just put all the love in one basket, oh, you I know? love you
0: too, Dean. <laughs> all right. Do you practice any weird hobbies or habits that would surprise us?
1: Mm. Not a weird hobby, you no. Know, I don't really have any weird hobbies. A weird habit of recent is to constantly touch my nose.
0: I know, it's so annoying. Why do you do that?
1: Because I've got a nose job, right? Mm-hmm. And I've uh, got the whole kit and caboodle. Drilled out, trimmed up, rib graft, straightened, chiseled, you name it. This was functional, guys. Not yeah, fixed. it's still numb. So it's it's the tip of it's supposed to be numb for up to nine months. And mm. there's bits of it in different areas within the nasal cavity mm. that, um, just is coming back with sensation so I, t- I tend to go like this and i almost like stroke my nose a bit weird like i stroke my beard actually mm-hmm. maybe it's transferring it's a that nose must. to beard stroke and it's just because it's an awkward feeling because the sensitivity is returning.
0: well i would appreciate but i know it's annoying but yeah. i don't care it's, it's really you should care mm. you should um now you ought to ask me if it's my last 24 hours on earth Liz, how i spend it i, yes, I have yesterday. a question for you oh, okay.
1: um, i'm not sure if you're prepared for this but okay if it was your last 24 hours on earth How would you spend it, and why?
0: Now, I may have known you were going to ask me this question because we wrote them, (laughs) Um, and I'm I'm trying to sound interesting to the listeners, but fuck, I'm boring. Mm. I would honestly just go about like a regular Sunday, have coffee on the beach, hang out with friends, hug a dog. I just there's nothing like there's nothing that I like on my bucket list. I'm pretty content. Chocolate. Oh, de- well, obviously, but that's a regular Sunday as and well. Chips. I would be eating hot chips and chocolate
1: hmm.
0: for sure. A lot of them.
1: And, Sorry, um, so that's really
0: uninteresting. But no, that, I
1: mean, that's, that's fine. That's what I would do. And then the next question. Yes. I've forgotten already. Oh, the next question. Is there any weird hobbies? Ah, oh, weird hobbies or habits.
0: Yeah. I talk to every dog that I see. Like, I know they Also don't... every human. Well, yeah, I do talk to a lot of people too. But I think that that's sort of normal. But... When I see someone's dog, you know, someone's walking past with a dog and the dog stops to sniff you, most people are like, they're there, buddy, and pat them on the head. I'm like, what's your favourite colour? How are you? What are you doing here? Yeah, you don't
1: talk to them. You have conversations.
0: Yeah, I have full conversations. So that's kind of weird, mm. um, but maybe not that surprising because everyone, no, everyone knows. I think a lot them. of people do that. Do they?
1: All right. Perhaps. That is a good one. And, I mean, it's cute as fuck. And dogs are awesome. So. Is
0: it? I, I don't care.
1: Look, if you talk to cats, out the door. You're gone. <laughs> Or um, fish. Uh, not only would I kick you out the door, but I'd kick you out the door with your cat and your lead that you walk your cat on with the beach because <laughs> you're a fucking weirdo. Okay. And yeah. All right. All right. We're
0: going to wrap it up with a, would you rather you can ask me first?
1: Yeah. No, you're just going to pick one.
0: I pick this one. Can yep. I read it? Yep. Go for it. Uh, am I asking you? You're asking me. Would you rather sell all your possessions or sell an organ? I read that as orgasm. I was like, how do you sell? <laughs> would you rather sell an organ or all your possessions? Which organ? Fuck, I don't
1: know. Can it be a kidney? No. Mm. So it has to be a functional Your It would otherwise kill... Oh, I, I could survive just with a little bit less immunity. That would be problematic, though. Uh, all, all of my possessions? Can I uh, repurchase my possessions? Of course. I'd sell my possessions. Okay. That do not mean anything to me, realistically.
0: Do you possess me? Will you sell me?
1: <laughs> yeah, I do.
0: You no. don't owe me, you no. bastard. All right. This is for me. You're not... I'm oh, no. sorry, sorry. Go.
1: Would you rather... Lose the ability to hear, or the ability to walk.
0: <laughs> I'm already ripping my ears off. Fuck that.
1: <laughs> I'd rather be able to walk than hear. Yeah,
0: heck yeah. I would just learn sign language, and I'd give everyone the bird. I'd be like, "Sorry, I'm deaf. I, this is how I speak." That's that's what I would do.
1: Walking? Okay, really? I'm not
0: sure. Imagine, about. like, how would you get your daily steps up if you couldn't walk?
1: I wouldn't. <laughs> what would you do? I, I wouldn't need steps because my legs would be non-functional and I'd have jacked arms from, from wheelchairing it around, not to mention the amount of wheelies that I would do.
0: Look, I'm, I'm not minimising the struggles of, of deaf people. It would be very difficult, mm. but I think it would be more difficult to be in a wheelchair than it would to be deaf. That's
1: true. Yeah. That's true.
0: So cool. that's what i choose.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're entitled to your opinion. Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I guess you would be legless, Dean, but we're all different.
1: <laughs> uh. I hate that I know that that almost sounded like a Lord of the Rings um, reference. What? Legolas. Because I think there's a guy called something like that. Legolas or Legolas.
0: I don't know. Do anyway, you?
1: shit movies. I don't so. like shit
0: movies. I wouldn't know. Neither do I. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you guys uh, have it's invoked some thoughts and maybe a different attitude towards weight loss or weight gain or mm. whatnot. Um, and this has been helpful for y'all.
1: Yeah. If you ever need anything quickly on our Instagram, hit our quick links. That's where most of our stuff is. So,
0: mm-hmm. so Flex underscore success is our Instagram handle. www.flexsuccess.com.au slash rulers of the world is our website.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and you can find Dean on not Tinder. What's the gay one? Grinder. You can find Dean on Grinder at Dean underscore McKillop underscore 69.
1: If there is a Dean McKillop 69 on there. <laughs> All right,
0: guys, over and out. Until next
1: time.